0: where uh, today we are in Malachi 3, it's 7 through 12, just those short verses, but it's all about, guess what it's all about? It's all about giving. It's all about giving. And so what we're going to do is, when I'm done with the message, we're going to bring the plates back. No, I'm just joking, we're not going to do that. I thought maybe we should do that after, you know. It's one of those things, you know, as a pastor, you just... uh, sort of like, at least I do, you sort of cringe at that, like, okay, here we go, talking about giving, you know. And we don't do it often, but as I was sharing with uh, some people this morning, it's this is a great example of why I'm a um, just a huge proponent of, of expository preaching, which simply means going through the books of the Bible. You take it verse by verse in a section, a passage at a time. Because then you cover the whole counsel of God, right? All of God's wisdom on every subject that's important to our, our daily lives. And of course, uh, money plays sort of a little role in our lives, doesn't it? Our resources, yes it does. And uh, and so when we come to a passage, if we're not too crazy about the subject matter, well, we're not going to pass over it. You know, remember a few weeks ago, maybe almost a month now, we kind of started Malachi, we were looking at the offerings that the Levites, the priests, were bringing to God. It was not the perfect and unblemished and spotless animals for the sacrifice, but they were offering the blemished, the sick, and the lame. And God called them out for that. Because they were the ones who were responsible for the spiritual health of the nation of Israel. And so I took that to heart. You know, as a spiritual leader... It's, um, it's quite sobering, but you know, it's not something we want to skip over because it's there and it's there for us to read and all of God's Word is important and good and uh, necessary for us and so we come to that place in, uh, in our, our study of Malachi when he talks about this very uh, well-known phrase, do you rob God, are you robbing God? And so maybe what I'll do is I'll close my eyes, and anybody that doesn't want to hear the message today, you can just quietly just kind of leave. You know, you ever see that? Like, you know, there's going to be a news uh, announcement, and they're just like, all right, this is really, you know, not for the faint of heart, and so uh, make sure you gather your children. No, they don't watch, you know. So it's not going to be like that, trust me. We're going to have a lot of fun. Well, maybe not fun, but it's okay. And um, I think this was last year I actually... Um, I assume you remember it, but uh, we did a three-week series on living generously. Generous living. And this really is an aspect of that. And uh, that's really the overall theme of what God has for us this morning is, what do our lives look like when it comes to generosity? Because how we give of our financial resources is a reflection of what's going on in here. Okay? It is a reflection of how we are living generously. So the saying is, how you're giving generously is a reflection of how you're living generously. You see that? That's the bigger picture idea. But um, just as a quick overview, because we have been out of Malachi for a couple of weeks, we're studying this, um, this book of Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament, before there is those 400 years of silence, as we say, and then we see the opening chapters of the New Testament with uh, the Gospels. And so that's why when we're done here, we're going to begin our study of the Gospel of Mark, which opens up with um, the introduction of John the Baptist, who is actually the very last prophet, because he is that messenger that Malachi prophesied about, And then the messenger of the covenant is Jesus. And so um, we are looking at it that way as sort of the ending of the old covenant, the Old Testament, and then bridging the gap into the new testament or new covenant. And uh, Malachi is kind of broken up into these things called oracles. These are sayings of truth and wisdom. And uh, an oracle can also be a person. So Malachi is kind of like the oracle. And like the other prophets, God is speaking through him. But so much of this book. Is God's Word. It's not so much Malachi speaking, but it's just God's Word through Malachi. And so we've been looking at how God has been calling out the people of Israel, like He does with every other prophet, if you're reading through the Old Testament, calling them out for their sin and disobedience. But in particular, God is speaking to the nation Israel at this time, of course, knowing that there would not be another prophet to them until John the Baptist. He is speaking to them because they have grown indifferent. And that is why we have the name of our series in our study of Malachi. It's all about indifference. The people, the nation of Israel, had grown indifferent in every way. They had grown indifferent in their worship. Yeah, they followed through and they gave it, but where was their heart? Because they gave of the least and not of the best. They gave of the last and not of the first. And so actually this morning, as we look at this idea of tithes and offerings, it is the same principle carried forward. So we want to make sure we always look at Scripture in context, right? So we don't take it out of context. And I have to say, and maybe you've recognized this already, but our passage for this morning, Malachi 3, 7 to 12, which talks about robbing God and the tithes and the offerings, is probably one of the favorites of who we may call prosperity gospel preachers. Not going to spend a lot of time on that, but you'll hear some preachers, maybe hear them on the radio or on TV, and they will reference this verse often to talk about things like opening the windows of heaven. Because that's in here. We're going to read that in a moment. And about when you give to God, when you bring your tithe before God and your offerings... Then God will open up the windows of heaven and bless you. So, therefore, if you don't have money or you don't have money, if you lost your job and you're struggling, then of course, if you take that to its logical end, that means that you're lacking in faith and you have not been giving to God. So, the remedy then is to take out your purse or your wallet, empty your bank account, and give more and more and more. You see where that goes? Okay, and so this morning, it's a very important and critical teaching. On this idea of giving and what it looks like compared from the Old Testament and the Old Covenant to the New Testament and the New Covenant. Because as God had been calling out the people of Israel for their indifference through these different oracles, and you remember it's sort of this, if you've been reading through Malachi, it's this QA, back and forth format, um, a conversation between the people and God. And he keeps asking them questions. Oh, you haven't, you know, I have loved you. And then the people say, How have you loved us? Because they don't recognize it. And then he says, You're despising my name. And, And the people say, How have we despised your name? It's like the people seem like they're clueless. And he says, I'm the God of justice. They say, Where is this God of justice? And then today, the statement is this God says, Will a man rob God? And the people then ask, how are we robbing you? And God goes into it. Have you ever stolen anything? Now, I don't want you to raise your hand. This isn't that time where we're opening confessional. But you can all think back, have you ever stolen anything? you ever stolen anything. Maybe even as a kid. I know, I did. I stole a bunch of stuff. Sorry, Dad. We can talk about it later. Not from you. I didn't steal from you, but that's okay. Yeah, that's a little better. You know, you steal stuff. I remember I was... Well, there's another lesson, too. It's usually the people you hang around with that you let influence you, right? Because it wasn't my fault. It was the people around me, You know, of course. But I did fall into that. And, you know, it's a typical story from when you're a kid, but there was a convenience store in town and we went in and, and my friends were like, you know, you got any money? You got any money? No. Of course, we were hungry. And so what do you have as a kid when you're hungry? You want, you know candy okay and so that sort of you know makes sense when you're that age and so we went in and and it was kind of just like we had this agreement yeah we'll just take something everybody take one thing and we'll share it and so i stole i couldn't even do it right i stole a pack of gum i mean you can't eat that but that's what i stole you know i took a pack of gum and i have to say that and i remember this vividly and it wasn't a believer at the time didn't know anything about really following god or whatever and And I walk out, and I just had this, I mean, how easy it is, right, to steal a pack of gum, you know, and you walk out, and I just had this sinking feeling. You know it, right? This sinking feeling like, man, what did I just do? Because at the moment, you kind of just do it, and then you just like, it just washes over you, this feeling of just like, I cannot believe what I just did. You know, and there was just that sense like, this is absolutely wrong. Why did I even do this? I know it was wrong. And if I should just return it. So as I'm chewing the last piece, I'm thinking, man, I should just return this gum. I remember that. Oh, too late. Too late. It's like that story of the little girl and the, and the mom says, all right, you, I want you to go to the, the store down the road and, and I need you to, to buy something for me. Here's two dollars. One dollar. You're going to go and you're going to get this. In fact, you can, you can use some of it for yourself. But the other dollar is for God. And so she's really excited, so she has the $2, and she's running down the street, and she trips, and the $1 in the one hand falls, and it goes into the sewer, and she gets up and brushes off. She says, well, God, there goes your dollar. It's like, okay, what are we going to do with this money? Which is ours and which is God's? But what is the New Testament principle? Isn't it all God's to begin with? It is, and that's the overarching theme. But I know that we've all stolen something. Here, think about it. Did you ever come home and maybe from work and you had a pen or a paper clip? Is that not stealing? How about time? How about stealing time? What does it mean to rob? Well, I mean, in the original language, in the, in the Hebrew here, it really just means that you are defrauding somebody. It means to defraud. It means that you've done something wrong and you're trying to cover it up. Did you ever do that? You're ever told by your parents, you know, you you tell a lie, you do something wrong, and then you gotta cover it up, so that's a second, so then you have to just continue to cover that or tell that lie to cover up that thing, and that never ends, right? Because we know that will always come out, and that will find its way out for people to know. But here's the thing you know, he's basically saying, Will you rob God? Now, first of all, I think the emphasis more is on will man rob God? Like Really? You think you can rob me? But how do we do that? Yes, this morning it's all about the tithe and the offering. We're going to talk about financial and material possessions. but But even think about it. Things like time. Do we rob time from others? Do we rob time from God? Because really, every breath we take, every moment of time that we mark off, belongs to God in the first place. And I think if we just understand that, then we're in good shape and we can move forward. So let's read this passage together. It's Malachi three seven to twelve, and again, this is uh, another of the oracles. You'll see the familiar format, but let's keep it in context, talking about the offering, because you remember, God was condemning and calling out the people uh, just a um, you know just a few verses ago about how they were bringing. The lame, the sick, the old, the tired offerings, right? And God was just like, that's what you're bringing me? And he called them out. But it's that same principle. He's saying, you know what? You're still failing in the way that you offer even your resources, your material resources to me. So, from starting in verse 7. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. Then you say, how have we robbed you? See that? They keep asking, hey, how do do we do that? God's answer, in your tithes, your contributions, or offerings, in your tithes and your offerings, so that will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed. You will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. May God certainly bless the reading of His Word to our hearts and to our minds this morning. So a lot packed into just these verses. But we first want to start with um, just an overview of what this idea of tithing is. Because I do believe there's some misconceptions in the church still today about what it means uh, to tithe and what the distinction is between between tithes and offerings. You know, um, first of all, we need to recognize that tithing means giving a tenth. Maybe you didn't know that. A tithe simply means a tenth. <clears throat> a giving a tenth of something that you have excuse me tithing is an old testament an old covenant concept okay we're trying to lay the foundation here so we have the proper biblical understanding in the, uh, in, the in the in the the idea and the context of giving tithing is mentioned in the old testament not in the new testament tithing is an old testament concept The tithe was a requirement of the law where the nation of Israel, and this is in the context of Malachi, what we're talking about, the Israelites were to give 10% the tithe of the crops that they grew and the livestock that they raised, and they were supposed to bring it to the tabernacle or to the temple. That was simply what the tithe meant, that it was a requirement of the law. Please kind of just pin that in your mind, mark that. It was a requirement of the law. You can find, read all about the tithe in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, that's where you want to go to find the, um, the establishment of that law. In fact, the Old Testament law required multiple tithes, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, it wasn't just 10% of all they had. It was their crops, it was their livestock, it was first fruits. But there was multiple tithes that were required of the people of Israel, there was a tithe, a tenth of all the people had, for the Levites. Remember, they were the, the priests. Okay? And so a tithe was to go to them to help support them because they were about the business of taking care of the worship of God and the things in the temple, and the tabernacle. There was also a tenth or a tithe that was commanded under the Mosaic law for the use in the temple and certain feasts. There was a separate tithe for the poor of the land. Some people add that up say, well, it was even over 20%, really, if you look at the timing and how often they had to do it. So it was much more than just 10%, upwards of 20%. Some even understand, and I think this is probably a good way to look at it, that the, New, the Old Testament tithe was kind of like a way uh, of taxing the people of Israel to take care of the Levites and the priests. Because, remember, they had the sacrificial system. And so the Levites and the priests were set aside by God as part of the nation of Israel to do that. And so God put in His law, the Mosaic law, that God brought down um, to the people through Moses, right? The Mosaic law was this idea of a tithe, a tenth. But there was multiple of those. You can read about it again. Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, Numbers. But so in a way, you can look at that Old Testament tithe as a method or a means of taxation so that the Levites and the priests could be cared for so they could go about the business. Because the Levites and the priests were not given um, uh, land like the other tribes were. We'll get to that in a second. Now here's a key understanding as we bridge from the old to the new. After the death of Jesus Christ, the law was fulfilled. We believe that? Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. So His death fulfilled the law. So therefore, if you open the pages of the New Testament, it nowhere commands or even recommends that we as believers submit to any kind of legalistic percentage or tithe. Now this may be new to some of you, but if you read the words of the Scriptures, you'll see tithe was an Old Testament under the Old mosaic law that jesus came to fulfill so the new testament does not designate a percentage of income that we should set aside but what it does say and this is what we're building on in the foundation bridging the old to the new it says that any gifts should be in keeping with income that's in first corinthians 16 2. now it should note note this in genesis We won't look there for a moment, but there's this story of Abraham and the priest Melchizedek. Did you ever read that story way back in in Genesis? That's actually the first time that we see a tithe given. Way back in Genesis, way before the Mosaic Law. And we see that Abraham actually gives freely. There's nothing in that whole story of Abraham and Melchizedek where uh, Abraham is compelled or ordered by anybody to give but he gives out of the spoils of war when he just went to rescue Lot, if you remember that whole story. But other than that, there's 34 biblical uh, notes or mentions or verses that talk about the tithe. They are all within the context of the Mosaic Law when the nation of Israel was under the law. So that is the proper biblical framework for tithes. But we have to understand that the tithe Wasn't just money, it was land, it was seeds, it was livestock, it was fruit. That's from Leviticus twenty seven. But even in addition to this, I hope you see something happening here. In addition to the different and multiple tithes that were commanded to the people of Israel under the Mosaic Law, there was also offerings, burnt offerings, and sacrifices, other things that the people were commanded to give. There was offerings, they were called free will offerings. There were the first fruits of the firstborn offerings of the herds and the flocks. There was even, in Numbers 18, it talks about a tithe of the tithe that people were supposed to give. And in Deuteronomy 26, there is something called the year of tithing. Year of tithing. So I bring all up that to say look, we need to have this proper biblical framework and focus for what God calls us to do, and that is to give. And that still applies to us. And we're going to then turn to the New Testament in a moment. But this idea of tithing okay, is not found in the New Testament. It does not apply to the church. This idea of Christian tithing, it's like a misnomer. There is no such thing as Christian, Christian tithing. There is Christian giving and generosity and offering. That's why we use the, the words offering. We take and collect up our offering, but it is not a tithe. Right? But the tithe was more than just the tithe of money that they had. It was all of their material possessions. And why it was a way for God, through His commandments in the Mosaic Law, to teach the people that everything that they had was His to begin with. But also, as I mentioned before, the tithes were to be presented to the tribe of Levi at the place that the Lord had actually set, a, set apart for them. And we know in our passage today, we see that God took that tithe very seriously. So God even told the people of Israel how to give the tithe. Not only specifically when and where and how much, but how to do it. See, the tribe of Levi, and this sort of gives us a reason and understanding of that that system of uh, tithing. The tribe of Levi, Levi was not given a land inheritance the same way that the other tribes were. So the Levites spent so much of their time administering the Mosaic Law, being in the temple, doing the work of the temple and the tabernacle, that God said, bring the tithes to them. So when in our passage says, let the storehouses be full, the storehouses were simply rooms in the temple where these grain offerings usually were kept. It was out of those grain offerings that the tribe of Levi and the priests would be able to live. So God is saying, Take care of my people. All of you, it's important, but also take care of the priests and the Levites by bringing all into the storehouses. That's what that meant. They knew what that meant. Bring it into those rooms where all those offerings are kept. It is for the priests, the Levites, and then for them to give. They're supposed to then give a tenth of that. See that? So it was a, that's this idea of giving and giving and giving. But here's what we need to be careful of as we then move into this New Testament concept of giving with the Old Testament foundation set in place. We have to be careful about applying these promises of giving and receiving that were given to the people of Israel under the Mosaic Law. We have to be careful not to apply those specifically to us, to the church today. Because remember, this was under the Mosaic Law, the Mosaic Covenant, And in that covenant, that promise that God made to Israel, it was the promise of material blessings. It was very simply this. God said, if you tithe and you do this, you will get these material blessings. And it was normally in the way of saying, your crops will flourish. It says it even in our passage today. And that is how the people knew. And that was the system that God set up. Does that make sense? He said, so, if you give, and you give this tithe which I am commanding you to give, and it's all laid out, then I will bless you. If you do not, you'll be cursed. It's the blessing and the curse. It's that whole system under the Mosaic Law. And that's why it even says in our passage today, you are cursed with a curse. See? But we need to be careful, church, of applying that to us today. Because what happens then is we get into this mindset, which is faulty thinking, That, oh, if we just give to God, He will bless me. If I just give more, and and again, I'm not going to harp on any of those, those teachers or preachers that we see, but we have to talk about it. If I just send in money for this thing or that thing, God will definitely bless me. That was the old system, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Law. And here's the thing. Didn't Jesus come and die on the cross? To fulfill that law. So we are now no longer under the law. Right? If that was the age of the law, what is the age that we say we are in now? The church age, the age of grace. We're in the age of grace, which means freedom. It means freedom freedom from the law in all that it says. Now, praise God. Thank you, brother. And we should be thankful for that in every aspect of the law, including giving. Because we are not under compulsion to give a certain percentage. But you know what? Our calling is even greater. Praise God that we're not under the law anymore. Because Leviticus 27 tells us every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, it's the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So that is the basis for that tithe in the Old Testament. Because we see even there, He is saying, whether it's the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, every tithe, it's all the Lord's and it's all holy and important to Him. But that concept of all being God's, that still applies. When Christ died on the cross, He fulfilled the requirements of the law because the requirement of the law that there would be blood shed for the forgiveness of sins, and Jesus was that perfect Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, was He not? And in doing so, he took away our responsibility to that law, that we are no longer slaves to sin or slaves to the law, but we are now free. Free indeed. Free people, but free to do what? Free not to give, and we just get to choose to give or not? No. We are free to give more. We are free to live and give generously. First Corinthians fifteen twenty. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. See, the firstfruits offering was fulfilled in Jesus. That was one of the offerings that was required under the Mosaic Law. Jesus fulfilled that requirement. Because was He not the firstfruit of God? The only begotten Son? Didn't He not fulfill that? So therefore, we are no longer required to keep that tithe at that 10%. But God calls us to give. We are to give as we are able. And I'm going to show just a few scriptures so that we understand what the New Testament um, principle is of giving now. Sometimes we give 10%. Sometimes we give more. Sometimes we give less. It all depends on our ability and the needs of the body of Christ. Let's not leave that other part out. What we give. Now, as the church is dependent upon two things really, what God has put on our heart to give, depending on our resources and what he's blessed us with at the time, because this is something we should continually review and bring before God. Let's not miss that also. It doesn't mean just say I'm going to give this and then forever. It doesn't mean if I make more, I make less. You bring that before God. Because it also, it also uh, plays into that factor of what is going on in the body of Christ. Is there a need? Is there a need among the brothers and sisters Then perhaps God is calling you to give more? But every believer should pray diligently and seek the wisdom from our Father in heaven when it comes to giving. See, we are now children of God. You know, it says in our passage, and this is where people get, um, they get in trouble, it says in verse um, 10, he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Remember, that was the tithe under the Mosaic law. That there may be food in my house, because it was the grain offering in the storehouses, which are rooms in the temple. you see that there? We get the picture of that. And he says to the people, bring that in, so there will be food in the house. He goes, therefore, test me on this, says the Lord of, hopes, uh, Lord of hosts. And he says, test me, if I will not then open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. Does God still bless us for being obedient? Yes, of course He does. We just can't be legalistic about it and put ourselves back under the Mosaic Law and say, yes, God says right here, if I give, the more I give, man, He's just going to open the floodgates of heaven. God could very well do that, but let's be careful that we are not putting ourselves back under that sacrificial system. Jesus Christ was the last sacrifice once and for all. And so it's been said this way. Perhaps we recognize that those windows, the window of heaven, listen, has already been opened to us. Jesus Christ came through that window and brought God's grace, His marvelous and wonderful and amazing grace for us. Do you see that? It's not that we have to hope God keeps opening those windows. God opened the window and blessed us with the Lord Jesus Christ the greatest gift ever given. So now here's where we come to this. The New Testament principle of giving is simply this. Give what God has put on your heart to give, but Christian brother and sister, you are to come before God, and this is between you and God. You come before God, honestly, humbly, laying your pride aside and say, "God, what are you calling me to give? What have you blessed me with? How can I give cuz God, it's all yours anyway?" You see that? That's the principle. He says this, two, um, two important, uh, actually there's a few important passages. Look at First Corinthians 16, 1-2. This is an, about an offering to the poor that they were collecting um, in the, um, with Paul in the New Testament church. Paul says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there'll be no collecting when I come. He says, You know what? Do it ahead of time. That's what he's saying. Practically speaking, Paul is saying, Look, we're going to come and we're going to get your offering for the poor in uh, Jerusalem and elsewhere, and we don't want you to just kind of give last minute as an afterthought. He says, Pray about it now. He's telling the leaders, Take the offering now. He goes, do it, put something. He says, this is the good practice of the church. Now this is what applies to us because we are the church, right? Am I right about that? We are the church. And so as the church, he is saying, look, decide ahead of time what you're going to give. So give it thought because God respects the giving and it's important to God. It should be important to us. He says, think ahead of time, pray about it diligently and take that offering. He goes, when you get together on the first day of the week, it's what we do here on Sunday morning, where we get that from? He says, go ahead and take the offering so you do it ahead of time so that we're not doing it last minute, scrambling for the funds, so when we come to collect it, it'll be there. We get it ready. New Testament principle. He says, put something aside. You notice that? He doesn't give a percentage or an amount. He says, put something aside as he may prosper. Which means two things, really. It means when you give, yes, God will bless that in His way and in His time. But we don't give to get, do we? No, we give out of a response to God's love. There's the principle. Why do we give? Why do we worship? Because God gave to us His one and only Son. And for that, we should be forever thankful. Giving with joyful and thankful hearts. Paul never used that word tithe. When he talked about giving, but he said, hey, do it on the first day of the week. And it should be in keeping with one's income. And that goes to Acts 11.29, the next verse I wanted to put up. Acts 11.29, so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. See? Everyone according to his ability. Everybody is to give what God has put on their hearts to give based upon what He has blessed you with. You follow me so far? I know it's riveting stuff, right? But it's important. Why is it important? Because it's important to God. And all of our material possessions are from God. Do you pray that way? Do you thank God for that, everything that you have? Even the things that you wish you had that you don't have? Maybe there's a good reason you don't have it just yet. You know, I mean, Claudia and I decided early on, we said, you know what? We just we don't want to be rich. Too much responsibility. So we have decided not to be rich. Basically, is what it is. We had to make that decision, you know. But if God blesses us and we do become rich, which we're going to look at that word in a second, we give more. I had a pastor friend, a, a mentor, and he used to tell me, and he would just say, "Look, you know, I'd ask him about this, and grapple with this. What do we do as Christians, and how do we give, and and all that?" He so, said, "Yeah, there's nothing wrong with making money." He encourages, "Hey, is." Believers go out and make as much money as God enables you to with all the gifts and talents He's given you. But the more that you make, the more that you give. Right? And look at what it says. Here's that word rich. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. This is the instructions that Paul is giving to Timothy, a young church leader. He's saying, now understand, this is how it works. It's about the money in the church. As for the rich in this present age, Giving generously leads to living generously. Or you could even say it the other way around. Are you living generously in every way? Because if you are, then you're going to be giving generously. But notice I'm not putting a percentage or a dollar amount on what that looks like for you to give or to live generously. That is between you and God. But all I'm saying is the principle here in Malachi is simple. God takes our giving seriously. So be serious about it before God. He says, as for the rich in this present age. So good, so that leaves us out, right? No, it doesn't. Because this doesn't mean just the people that are wealthy. You know what, to be honest, each one of us here is rich. I hope you believe that. Yes, we're rich because we have Jesus Christ, most importantly. But if you think about it even practically, right? Relatively speaking, do you get up each day and struggle to say, am I going to be able to eat today? You know, if you think about it. Do you get up and say, how am I going to eat today? Do I have any clothes to wear? Will there be a roof over my head tonight? And if you don't have to struggle with that, then you're rich. See? If you can make decisions on money other than I'm going to eat or not eat, I'm going to have clothes or not have clothes, see that? If you can make decisions about any amount of money beyond that, then you're rich rich but we know of course spiritually speaking we are rich beyond belief because of christ in us so he says the rich in this present age i think he's talking about all of us he's simply telling timothy look teach your people teach the church to give and to be generous because yes god will bless that generosity i don't know how don't know how much or when or what that's going to look like but all we know is that we give because god gave to us is that simple enough that should be it. And then the last one, 2 Corinthians 9. Yes, it is the last one. Good. Sometimes I say it's the last one, and then you know that it's not the last one. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-12, to the final passage. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. This is New Testament, New Covenant You will be enriched in every way. To be generous in every way. you see that? You will be enriched in every way. Why? So you can be generous in every way. Which, through us, will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So my last statements before we... We actually come around the Lord's table. That's how we're going to end our time together this morning. Taking of the, the bread and of the cup. And then when, when we're done with that, and we pray we're going to go right into our, our time of feast and fellowship. Thanking God for all He's given us. I want to point out one last thing. It says in our passage, He says at the very beginning, He's like, look, you you would t- just turned aside from the statutes. He says, return to me and I'll return to you. Specifically, He doesn't say, Return to keeping my law. Yes, under the Old Testament, the Mosaic Covenant, he was saying, yes, you need to be obedient because I commanded you to do this. But notice that he says, return to me. Because it all comes down to our relationship with God. How is your relationship with your Lord? How is your relationship with your Creator? God says, you know what? You've been going this way. Return to me. Don't just return to the law And do it out of duty. Do it out of devotion. What a difference there is, right? He says, return to Me. Give your heart back to Me. I have been so generous with you. Give. Return to Me. Generous living starts with the right relationship with God. Are you truly thankful? Do you recognize your blessings? You understand that everything you have is his, his to begin with, because obedience and relationship they go together. Jesus says, "If you love me, you'll obey me." The opposite is not necessarily true. If you obey me, then it means you love me. We could do something just out of duty, right but God wants our devotion because our giving is an expression of our faith and what's going on in here. Our society values how much a person has. God values how much a person gives and is generous. So let us continually cultivate generous hearts. We need to look for opportunities to use the resources that God has given us to bless others. God will enrich us so that we can then bless others. Martin Luther said this, I have tried to keep things in my hands and I've lost them all. What I have given into God's hands, I still possess. Amen? So we have that opportunity now to close our gathering around the Lord's table. And, um,